Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Mark Purcell. The struggle is real. Between us, our movies have played at over 30 film festivals, received hundreds of thousands of views online, and we've raised more than $100,000 on Kickstarter. But despite our success, we're still struggling to turn our hobby into a profession. I changed the intro because... I feel like this episode's all kind of looking inward at our current struggles yeah. and less about like talking about filmmaking topics. So right. if anybody's just joining us, I thought I'd give them a little background about who we are. Did you how many hits did you say online for us? Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands cuz you could easily say what like 200 300,000 between us maybe? I don't know I, that's why I wrote hundreds of thousands because I didn't I didn't it's, have time to calculate pretty, it's it it's pretty close you have a hundred on strange thing I have 150 total between nice. my directed movies not strange thing but just like strange thing oh, uh, total, brother total. Gotcha. and uh, and and what's it called um the, the the zombie drone thing, which apparently doesn't mean anything. Apparently, I was told this weekend means not goddamn thing, um, which is okay. That's fine. I don't know if that's really true, but that's what someone told me. So more more on that later. <laughs> if we were counting my commercial work, we could say millions of views. Yeah, which apparently doesn't that matter doesn't, either. Yeah, it doesn't according matter. According no, to no, listeners, so, yeah, so much of it gets. Also, so much of those views get paid for. Right, you know, they're I, they're not completely I, organic. I disagree, though. I still think it matters. I think a million hits on a commercial matters as a filmmaker. I mean, it's not like it was a documentary. It was a narrative. Well, not really a narrative. It was a comedy based commercial. I mean, come on, man. You know, well, it's like saying it. Oh, the the people that went and saw Star Wars don't count because they advertise that movie. Right. It's like, well, no. I mean, that's how the business works. You advertise it, and people come out and see it. So you can't know it. Nothing in this world is organic. What'd you get, like, Somebody's f- out there selling it. How many millions of hits did you get on that series of spots? What was it, like 10 million or something like that? It was it was insane, At wasn't least. it? At least. I feel like it was like, ended up being like 17 million in the end. <laughs> yeah, that's why I remember the number you told me. It was like over 15 was million. I'm like, yeah. damn, man, that's pretty amazing. That's the amount of eyeballs on your on your work. I, I, I still don't can't believe you haven't really par. Well, I guess you, I can't really say you haven't parlayed it into more commercials because you directed like two or three since then. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you should be signed all over the world at this point <laughs> to me. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. Signed all over the world. Be signed everywhere, whatever that yeah. means. <laughs> well, still, we're still struggling. Um, this episode's mostly about us pursuing our features which seems to be like a lot of our episodes lately so right. i apologize to everyone who's listening that is not pursuing a feature hopefully this stuff still applies to the stuff that you guys are working on right um i feel like in the past we used to tackle filmmaking topics and talk about them and then it felt like it had a broader application to the audience but maybe now we're getting so honed in on the feature film side i worry a little bit that we're going to lose people I don't know. I think like a lot of people care about that, though. You know, and a lot of people who are interested in filmmaking are all interested in making a feature or learning how to make their first feature or whatever. That's I true. don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm obviously biased because that's all I care about. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, it's kind of eye opening to talk to Robin and hear that he's he's thinking about television. And I feel like we haven't talked to anyone yet. That's like, I'm, I want to get into television. I guess... Um, who we had is a Kyle McCauley. Uh-huh. He, you know, he was talking about television. Oh yeah. But it seemed like that was kind of, um, 
an accident. Like he was really going after a feature, but it turned into TV. I, I don't have any problem with TV. I just doesn't, it doesn't seem like something I can do on my own. Like, it's not like if I don't get a distributor, I don't get an agent or a manager or, right. or a big producer. It's not like I can just go out and make my 10 part Netflix or eight part Netflix series. Like that only <laughs> exists within a certain realm of success. Like I have to get past the agents, past the, the producers, all, I have to be like accepted on the higher <laughs> echelon. And then like a Netflix or Amazon prime totally. series can happen. And, and it's, funny like i have friends who are always telling me like oh you gotta do tv like you gotta do, do this it. do it do a yeah. net like have you ever thought about netflix have you ever thought about amazon prime it's like sure that's all i think yeah. about but <laughs> how, how the hell am i gonna get in with those people like it's not like right. i can just make one you know if there's anything we've learned over the past 78 episodes is the more you can put the power into your own hands the easier it is to get something made rather than waiting for somebody to swoop in and give you that opportunity i think we've decided let's just make the opportunity ourselves and now we're both focused on trying to do a low budget feature film which is something right. that we can do grassroots style rather than having to get an agent and manager go to LA talk to people sell them on our idea and um, the, the route that Robin's doing which right. is is interesting um, he's doing kind of like the complete opposite of what we're doing yeah sort of I mean I, I don't know I mean I feel like his approach is something that I'm interested in, in doing for myself as well but like just in addition to all the other things I'm right. trying which is basically everything and right. um, yeah it's 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 tough man it's it's tough to to do anything like I you know like I email people who I think are gonna be like big supporters of the movie and help me out and then I either don't hear back from them at all or you know I uh, I get like no's where I was expecting to get like definite yeses you know um, or, or, or whatever, you know, or they're like, I, I yeah, oh, this contact that I, I have that I'm not sure will ever get back to me, but like maybe the, the, if they did, they'd have some great insight. Then they get back to me and then they're like not helpful at all. And it's not like, they're, it's not like they're not trying to be helpful. It's just like, they're not helpful in the way that I thought they were going to be able to be. Yeah. That, uh, that's happened to me so many times where you meet these people and you're kind of keeping them in your back pocket, waiting for that right opportunity to reach out to them. You just kind of imagine that they're going to help you out a lot more than they end up doing. I right. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just timing or maybe they're just telling you, they're just blowing smoke up your ass, making you feel like they're going to be more helpful. Right. Or, or it's, it's all those things, timing, like mis, mis, misconception on your end or miscommunication on their <laughs> right. end or, or like maybe like just, you know, like, thinking that this this person obviously can just open all the doors for me when they can hardly even open the doors for themselves despite their position potentially you know like right. i think about that a lot like you ask people for help and you're, you're like thinking about you know different ways to to make it happen and then you kind of realize that that person that you're asking is either trying to do it themselves potentially or they have like a million people that are, are closer to them than you are like friends family uh whatever like colleagues who they would help before you and anyways like even if they could which they might not even be able to so it's sort of like I don't know it comes back to like connections it just comes back to like what are you bringing to the table you know like what can you offer that you know well help the other person too like you're not right like it's you can't just mutual. be asking only like you have to be mm -hmm. giving too that's why it's better just to kind of come up together as a group and you start at the bottom with a bunch of people and as you all come up together, you help each other out rather than you just start reaching out to somebody and be like, help me. 
Help lift me up. <laughs> right. Help, help lift me up. Make my yeah. make my dreams come true. Right. Yeah. You should introduce know. your cat because we're going to probably hear your cats on future episodes. <laughs> yeah. So let the audience in on what's going on over there. So I have a little cat. Uh, he's, a, he's a kitten. His name is Squiggles. Dr. Squiggles, actually, is his full name. And, he's a doctor. Uh, he's a doctor. And uh, he's really young. He's like two and a half months, maybe. And, uh, yeah, he's really curious right now. And he just wants to be where I am. And he wants to... He's touching the screen right now. He's actually trying to touch Timothy's video. <laughs> he, he, he's so funny. He's like, unlike any other animal I've had, like he just really interacts with screens like in a big way, which is kind of weird. And I hate to bring this up, but because you brought up Meow Meow in a, a previous episode, I oh, yeah. to let people know what happened with Meow Meow. Yeah, I announced it on Facebook for my Facebook friends. Um, but yeah, Meow Meow passed away a couple weeks ago, or I guess almost a month ago now. Um, and uh, it was really tough. Uh, we don't, we, you know, he, he had some kidney failure. We're not exactly sure how old he is or was. Cause, um, you know, we realized that when Beth got him, she thought he was a kitten cause he looked young, but then he never changed. So he could have been like six or seven when she got him. And then we had him for like six years. So, you know, uh, he could have been an older man and we just had no idea. Um, but uh but yeah he was really sweet he uh he st- stuck it out and he basically waited for us to get back from Costa Rica to um to move on and like he really like tried really hard while we were gone and then when we got back he just stopped eating and uh he could tell he was ready to go and uh yeah. it was really hard i never had to do that before put it, put an animal down but um it was the right thing to do and it was really hard for my other cat, Mike, who I don't know if, if the episodes are out yet. Oh, they, they must be by this point. But um, he's like wailing in the background in a couple episodes, <laughs> like before we got uh, Squiggles. And so he was really having a hard time. But like now that Squiggles is here, he's calmed down a bunch. He's got a brother. They're like best. They like became best friends, like instantly, almost like well, it took a day. Um, so, yeah. So that's my cat. R.I.P. Meow Meow. R.I.P. Meow Meow. Um, well, now I feel like this is a real podcast. We're talking about our pets. Uh-huh, yeah. I feel like every podcast I listen to, at some point, they start talking about their pets. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if script notes if they've ever talked about their pets. They've talked about their kids a lot, but not their pets. Maybe they don't have pets. They just yeah. have kids. Yeah, they're actual adults, unlike me and you, just have animals. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, we have so much to talk about today, so let's jump into it. One of the things that I've been thinking about is um, what a $100,000 feature really looks like, or $200,000 is kind of what, what I've been aiming with with this new screenplay I've been writing with Mark Madrigal. And in watching Robin's movie After Death and hearing that they spent $100,000 on that and they did it in 15 days and then shooting my milk commercial recently, which was a 10-hour day, and we shot probably be equivalent to about four or five pages, I'm guessing, um, if it was a feature film. Of course, they, it was a one-page script because it was a commercial, but right, right. had we like shot an entire, it, it would have been like an entire scene. I just like realize what I'm up against with like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar movie. Like, let's say that like, I feel like I really need thirty days to shoot a feature film to do it the way that I want. You know, like right. part part of the problem is I want it to be more visual and less dialogue driven. And so oh, yeah. then if it's like thirty days, you know, I can only I can only spend like five thousand dollars a day. 
Mm. It's like, how am I going to pull that off? So as I'm coming up with the of like face to face with the reality of a uh, hundred to two hundred thousand dollar movie is probably going to be dialogue driven, which is not what I've been kind of writing. Right. I, I don't, and it's not what I'm interested in because I feel like dialogue driven things end up looking like TV movies, and that's not what I had in my head. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, because, I mean, I don't know what kind of visual storytelling you're going to be doing in your movie, but I think dialogue eats up a lot of time. Like, when you have di- like getting the actors to, to perform the way you want them to, <laughs> getting right. the scene to come out. Like, I think, you know, three pages of visuals versus three pages of dialogue, I'd imagine the three pages of, of just, you know, just, like, things happening might not take as long. I mean, depending on what they are, obviously. Yeah. But if it's in, but if it's in one room, like I, I, I have pages and pages of like, um, Jake, my character in the alternate, just doing things. And I think that stuff's not going to, that's going to not go. So take so long because it's just mm-hmm. like one guy now do this, now do this, now do this, you know? <laughs> um, I just took out a lot of that and replaced it with some dialogue scenes and some new character stuff in the, the third act that, um, you know, kind of needed to happen in order to satisfy the new way that I've rewritten it. And, um, I kind of think it's, it's less strong that way because, you know, it's, I'm just like, it's just, characters talking and like you know the mystery of like what is he doing why is he doing this what what is he why is he figuring it out this way like that sort of is taken away but it doesn't work in the new way I've written it so I can't really go back to it so now I'm like looking at my dialogue scenes and just thinking okay how can I like I've got like a couple three page dialogue scenes how can I turn those into like one and a half page dialogue scenes you know just like chop out all the words or like a lot of the words that I don't need you know um so I, I've got to go back and like, cause like I thought that I was going to be done rewriting by uh, the end of Thanksgiving and, and I never am. be done. Never. <laughs> well, I got the whole movie out now. Like I got the new scenes added, the new characters, like all that stuff. Now I got to go through it again. And, uh, there's a couple other things I want to add in earlier on. And then I got to rewrite the scenes I just wrote, you know, to make sure they're good. And so hopefully by the end of this week, that'll all be done. And then the new version will be like out to people for feedback. And then once I get my feedback, get my grammar changes, get all those things, then I can put it up on the blacklist. Um, maybe in the following week, the, the new revision. Um, right. so let me ask you this. How, how many minutes? long is the rage it's six minutes okay so or you five, did five and five minutes i guess and was it like a five page script i think a seven page script eight page script okay. something like that so it's roughly the same as over my dead body over my dead body was i think seven pages but it was very dialogue heavy mm. and so your this script has no dialogue right and it's all visual uh the rage yeah uh yeah no technical dialogue but um i mean they, they ended up ad-libbing so there were things okay. in there actually I, right. I think i might have just lied to you i don't think the rage is actually that, oh, that long gosh. i think it's more like four pages but i, I want to find the stupid script to actually well it's not even on this computer son of a gun <laughs> anyways yeah like in my experience the anything that's non-verbal I was going to say action, but action's not really what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like nonverbal storytelling. Yeah. To, has taken me longer in the past to shoot than dialogue because dialogue, you can shoot with coverage. Right. You know, you can, you know, you just need these three angles and you're done. 
Yeah. But with non-verbal storytelling, every shot requires its own setup. So I feel like it's it's a little slower to shoot. So I'm well, a little worried that if I if my goal is to shoot like five pages a day to to make my low budget film work, that it's going to be really hard to do if I don't have a lot of dialogue. Right. Well, I guess it depends on how you're covering those things, right? Because if mm-hmm. like um you know if you're lighting the room. You know, if it's like a one location space, you know, like you're going to probably do like a basic light for the room, you know, and then you'll adjust the lights bit depending on the shot. So right. if you kind of have like some that's sort of basic sort of set up that way, and then you can, you know, craft each shot with like additional lights, you might move pretty quickly because, you know, if you just have, if you don't have to reset the whole world every time, if it's our, if it's just on a grid above your set, and then, um, you know, you're just moving like one light, a couple lights here or a couple lights there or whatever. Ever, you might be able to blow by your your shots pretty quickly. Uh, well, what I would would say, and I, I know you're probably more of a fan of this than than I am, but uh, I just watched this movie called The Ark on Netflix a, a month ago, whenever it came out, and uh, they were like, you know, super low budget, like totally our sphere of feature sci fi film, you know, like mm-hmm. you know just like maybe six or seven cast one location you know like it, it wasn't one room but it was like you know one house they never leave you know and they're going from room to room um the whole movie was a uh, handheld you know and that was kind of like how you right. did over my dead body but uh i was just like man that's so that's just so cheap like you're gonna shoot a whole movie on handheld just to save time like come on like fuck that like just you know add a couple days or like yeah cut down on some dialogue cut down acts of character like they had they had like three or four of these like you know characters that were like kind of bum rushing the house or like trying it was like a kind of invasion sort of plot to it or whatever home invasion Mm -hmm. sort of thing or i don't know if that's really what you'd call it but anyways so they could have done that with two characters instead of three characters basically or there's lots of other things they could have done to to tighten it up and like spend more time just crafting the movie in a more beautiful way but i think it's all about the craft man like if you're not going to craft it if you're going to just shoot it handheld and just but bounce around like do i really want to watch that like your story has to be so good if you're going to do that you know yeah. Well, that, and that's where my head's at. It's like, I don't want to just make a movie to make a movie. I want to craft a movie. Right. And I just feel like I'm not going to be able to craft a movie without a proper amount of days. And then if those, if those days are costing me twenty five to $30,000 each, then it's like, already I'm at like a million dollars for a 30-day shoot. So it's like, all right, well, oh, this wow. whole fantasy of doing a $200,000 movie like what does that really mean? Like I can I can say two hundred thousand dollars all I want, but maybe I maybe I'm not thinking about it the right way. Maybe it really literally does need to be two people in a room talking. Well, you're not going to shoot know? a two hundred thousand dollar movie in thirty days. Like you're not. Who 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 <laughs> right. do you think you are to be able to do that? Like you're. I think you're going to have to do it in twenty. Is probably and that's going to seem lavish to people. Like I was saying twenty for my movie, and right. and the Completely. feedback I got from everybody was like. Why don't you shoot in 15? It's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I will. <laughs> but right. I don't know. Yeah, but then how then how do you pull that off though? I mean, you have a 90-page script. You're shooting 5 pages a day, yeah. 6 pages a day. I guess 6 pages a day yeah. is what you have to shoot, which is what we did for Over My Dead Body, what you did for The Rage. Right. 
Um, it's not it's not what I did with Spirit Machine. Uh, <laughs> Spirit yeah. Machine was more like a two day, two page a day shoot. Oh wow, roughly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you you that's the way to get it done in a lot of cases, you know. And it's not ideal, obviously. Like I'd rather, like I'd rather keep on fighting for my twenty day shoot. Um, the and like you know figure out another way to to cut the budget rather than go down to fifteen. And I have I have an idea. I heard it. I just heard a story from a friend of mine who's working on a feature right now, and the way that this director structured it uh, he did 250 for 250 a day rate for every crew member so everybody across the board gets 250 a day and then if he makes his budget back and the, and the movie's profitable as soon as it's profitable then everybody double, double gets a their rate doubled um you know retroactively so then he pays everybody another 250 per day for their whole for their work you know um so that seems like a pretty interesting thing. Yeah, and, and it's like cool. a good way to get the crew in at a good rate and make everyone feel like they're in it together and they're all on the same team. And then if the movie does make its money, then yeah, then you get, you get a, you get a bonus basically, you know, yeah. for, for believing in the, in the filmmaker. I so. love that. That's cool. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm okay. going to just finish the script the way I want to do it, the way that I think it's going to be good. And then. We'll look at it, and we'll we'll we can decide. Yeah, this is something that we can even do for two hundred thousand dollars, and maybe it won't be. And I have to go back to the drawing board. But I will say I'm really excited about the story and really excited about the script. So there's no reason to give up yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't even know, man. Like I don't even know if I can get two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars anymore. Like that's seeming like less likely. Like I think I could definitely get 50,000, um, from friends and family and contacts. Like I definitely mm-hmm. think I could do that. And then from there, maybe I could get a little bit higher. Maybe I could get to the 200,000 mark with like, you know, producer interest or whatnot, but I don't know. It's seeming, it's seeming difficult. So I, I don't even know if I, if I need to just rethink my whole thing and like not even try to do the $250,000 movie and just do like a $20,000, $50,000 movie on my own first. And then with that, if that is successful, it does well, then I can go out after trying to get the alternate made for 250000 you know, mm-hmm. and just and, and work my way up. But what does a $25,000 movie look like? Oh man, like me, the DP, actors, a makeup person, sound guy, and maybe a gaffer or or some sort of lighting person, and that's it. <laughs> it's like that Joss Whedon uh, Shakespeare movie that he did. Yeah, probably smaller than that though. That was probably a bigger crew on that movie than that. <laughs> I think than yeah, that. that was like a, that was like a million dollar movie. <laughs> yeah, but it would basically be us like going to location to location through Oakland, uh, shooting a brother feature, basically starring Desi mm-hmm. and then probably starring Capone. So, you know, and then, and then get one like, you know, Ray Liotta type actor to, to do like, you know, like come out for a day or two and play a supporting role, you know, mm-hmm. and then put him on the poster with Desi and Capone and then, um, go try to sell that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like you're super excited about this. No, I'm not. I want to make the <laughs> alternate man. Like I, this is a movie I've been like, you know, like pouring my blood, sweat and tears in for years. And mm-hmm. I, it's the story I really want to tell and I'm passionate about, but I mean, I'm, I'm just hearing from people that like, I'm crazy to think that I can get my first movie done for $250,000 if I can't bring anything to the table. Like, you know, if I'm looking for a producer to bring me like a movie star, financiers, 
and, and 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 like yeah and like the budget basically I, you know it's like what am i like i'm just at, basically the this person that i got i got some advice from a person recently a filmmaker and he was basically just saying like you're not looking to hire a producer you're looking for a producer to hire you to make your own movie you know and it was like a really interesting thing for him to say but i i, I kind of get where he's coming from what does that what does that mean well, if if they're bringing all the things, it's like, you know, like you're not actually, you're not actually trying to, to hire them. They're hiring you because they're the one who has the money. They're the one who can actually make the movie happen. And then it's like, why don't they just replace you with a better director to package your script, you know, in a, in a way that's actually going to be able to be financed. Like if you're trying to get a producer to come on board your project as a first time director like you're not giving them any leverage to to make the movie happen right. you're, well, you're we've like talked a, about this before like you shouldn't be looking for a producer you should just be doing this yourself right like you need a production manager you need somebody to come on and manage the production that you put together yourself yeah i don't know i just feel like i, I don't want to go out there and uh start like calling agents and trying to, to attach cast on my own. Like I'd rather have an experienced producer with some connections do that for me, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but maybe I have to be that person. And I was like asking, I was asking this guy, I was like, well, should I be worried about like, you know, pissing agents off or burning bridges? Like if I call them like, and, and make a, and, and ask to attach their star, their, their client without any budget. Are they just never going to return my calls after that? <laughs> uh -huh. And he was like, well, don't worry about that. Cause they're never going to return your calls anyways. Like you should just <laughs> don't worry about it. Then they're the agents change or whatever. Don't worry about not bothering agents. You can bother agents. Just, uh, you know, don't expect to get anything. It's kind of, he's like, it's kind of like cold calling for, for, you know, investments. Like you're going to hear everyone's going to say no, but you maybe you might get the one. Yes. So, well then why not know. cast unknowns? Cuz they're not going to be they're not going to be able to bring any um they're not going to be able to get your movie sold or d distributed in the end, you know? And like if you have all unknowns, like the movie has to win like Sundance in order for it to actually get distributed basically. Then just do so that, just have, win Sundance. Just yeah, no problem. I was so funny. I so I was talking to my friend. He he listens to the show. Um, uh -huh. Jeff Moore. I'm going to call him out right now. And uh, we had a conversation yesterday. And I was t complaining to him because this this producer also told me like that I can't cast a black person in my movie and expect it to get any kind of pre sales or any kind of international distribution because you know whatever black people don't sell well in international markets. And I'm like any black actor like unknown or name. Yeah, I was like talking about Anthony Mackie. He's like Anthony Mackie is not going to sell well in other countries and he's not going to be able to get your movie financed and I was like that's such bullshit like how can Anthony Mackie that's gotta be bullshit he's like the Falcon in in the Avengers movies like how is he not going to sell uh, an ind independent sci-fi movie like and that's just ridiculous that is absolutely the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life and uh, <laughs> I was talking to Jeff <laughs> Jeff about this and he's like well bro what what that doesn't matter just go out just 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 do it anyways just, uh, you know, get a letter in 10 from Anthony Mackie, then go take it around to distributors and, and financiers and then uh, get your budget and go make your movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, make it sound so easy. Like, I know. Oh, it's so easy when people geez. tell you what to do. Yeah, you know? I'll just go. I'll just get Anthony Mackie attached. And, but it's <laughs> it, in, in a way, it's sort of like there's some truth to that because it's like, you know, everyone's going to tell you no. Everyone's going to tell you you can't 
cast your movie this way that you have to cast white people you, you maybe a chinese person now apparently whatever some bullshit i don't know it's just like <laughs> no i'm gonna cast it the way i want to screw yeah. you and yeah maybe i can just go after the actors i want on my own and just at least try that you know because then maybe if i can get the script somehow get the script to his hands like maybe his agent will actually be chill and actually pass it along Maybe there is a chance that he'll be interested, you know? Maybe he does want to be, uh, you know, one of the outliers, like be a, uh, an African American actor starring in a sci-fi film that, that just, cause that just doesn't happen <laughs> very often, <laughs> you know? So I don't know. We'll see. I, I think I should actually make these, these, uh, attempt this stuff, you know, before I just give up and run to the $50,000 movie I know I can make, you know, which is what I've been saying the whole time. So I don't know. I just, I just got pretty discouraged over the weekend and like the last few conversations I've had from people and email responses from people have like not been very encouraging or positive. So yeah, I don't know. Don't give up. It's going to be discouraging. This is, this is the line of work that we've chosen and if it was easy, (laughs) everyone would do it. And so it's going to be hard and just stick with it and just know that the discouraging times will come, but there's going to be moments where you figured it all out and it's going to feel great. Yeah, exactly. So right now, are you asking people for money? I am. I am asking and people so for money. And so it sounds like that's not going as, as awesome as you thought it would. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not going that bad. I, I've got uh, a good amount of money pledged to it already, which is pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Um, you know, I've had lots of discussions about like what to do. Like, should I just get letters of intent from the investors and then collect the money later once I actually have like a producer on board and all those things? Or should I just collect all the money now with whatever contract that I can come up with and then, you know, worry about re- restructuring the con- contracts later if I have to? And I sort of feel like I just need to collect the money because money in the bank is what's going to speak. Like, no one's going to care about. Oh, you have like 20 letters of intent from, you know, these different people that equal $20,000 in, in funds. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not going to actually prove anything to anybody. But if I can like show someone a bank statement with $20,000 in it, then they're actually going to take me a little bit more seriously, you know? Right. So plus it seems like it's harder to lose that money if it's in the bank than, exactly. than if somebody's like I promise I'll give it to you in six months when you ask for it alright exactly because people's situations change things change yep. it's better just to get collect it now and then just have it and then you know you can the paperwork can be wor- figured out later especially from the people that I'm I'm raising money from like they're all friends and family um, for the most part so you know, they're not going to bust my balls on that stuff too much. So I think I just need to get it in and, and whatever. But um, are there anybody besides friends and family that you've talked to? People um, that are like a, a circle deep? No, not really. Not yet. I, I'm still like in my inner circle right now. And I haven't reached out to everybody in my inner circle yet. Um, partly because of the holidays and partly just because I've been busy. Um, I did email a couple of people out yesterday. I haven't really heard back. I mean, you know, which is understandable it's right after the holidays you know so are you doing this all over email um i'm 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 making like the introductory like you know not the ask but like asking to 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 meet up basically Mm. just i'm trying to set appointments is what i'm trying to do you know because i feel like getting people and meeting people in person is going to be the way that this is going to work and uh you know if i ask over the phone even or over email it's not going to be as as strong but just trying to get just making the ask 
like clear that it's there's a financial component to it and then trying to set up the meeting like that's like the two things I'm trying to do because the like the last thing I want to happen is meet up with people have them not know that I'm asking for money and then have to break that to them on the on the meeting because then I've just <laughs> wasted my time and their time right so if I at least set up that I that's what I'm trying to do I'm in the fundraising process would you want to meet up with me to discuss how you could be involved with the with the film then at least it's a little bit more clear or even being more direct and saying, oh, and can we meet up to discuss uh, if you're, you know, whatever, able to help out financially or what, you know, contribute mm-hmm. to this, to this, what your contribution to this project could be, something like that. Or I don't know. I, I'm working on the wording. It's got to be, it's very delicate because you don't want to come on too strong, which you don't want to be too vague either, you know? Right. I think you got to be clear. So I want to dig into the feelings of asking people for money because I haven't started doing this yet. But when I think about what it's actually going to be like to sit in front of someone, tell them about my movie and then ask them to help pay for it. I just imagine that that's going to be an awkward thing. Like I didn't feel too guilty on Kickstarter because you're only asking people for like $20 or $100. But when you're asking them for a lot more, like, is does the feeling change? Like, how are you dealing with this right now? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I feel good about it in, in general, like in the base of, of my feeling about it. I feel good. Like, I'm, I'm trying to make this movie. I think it's an important movie to, to make. Um, you know, I think it, it's going to do really well. I think it could be really big. So I think it could be a, a big... Uh, it could actually be an investment for, for people, you know, but I also think about it as like they're bringing something to the world that wouldn't exist normally. And especially the way that I want to make this movie, like people aren't making movies, um, you know, starring the kind of people that I want this movie to star, you know, so I feel like it's going to make an impact, you know, so I feel at the core, I feel good. But then when you actually start to ask people about it, then it starts to feel less good. And then when you start talking to people about strategy and stuff, then it can start sort of to feel more like you're just doing Kickstarter in person. And it's sort of like, ah, <laughs> oh, geez, but it's, it's why could you don't have a strong business plan for recouping investments? Well, because I mean, no matter what my business plan is, yeah, there, there is no strong, there's, there is no strong, I'm going to do this and it's going to make this happen. And then I'm going to get all your money back. Like there's no clear path to returning, to getting a return on the investment. There's lots of ideas and lots of different things mm-hmm. that could work. But even the self distribution model is like, yeah, I'm going to go rent out theaters and sell tickets and then sell DVDs and sell posters and sell t-shirts. And that's how mm-hmm. I'm going to recruit your, your investment. It's like, geez, like that's not very, <laughs> that's not right. a very solid way. Like, Oh, I'm going to take it to distributors and it's going to get a distribution deal. And then, um, I'm going to get paid a little money up front and then I'm going to get all the money on the back end. Like no matter what, it's a really high risk investment. And I think like just being clear with, clear on that is important too like saying like this is a risky thing like a lot of movies don't make money even the big budget movies don't make money you know so like the the chance that i'm going to return get make the money back in my movie i feel strong because i'm not spending very much on it i'm only going to spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars on this movie so getting the money back i think is 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 going to happen for sure you know like i feel confident in that uh whether or not you're going to make any money on it that's another question um, but there's also a chance that this movie could not sell at all for, for a wide variety of reasons. So it's, you know, it is a big gamble. But 
I mean, no matter what, you're going to get a movie at the end of this. Like, it's going to be a beautiful movie that you're going to be a part of. You're going to have, like, without your contribution, this movie would not exist. So we'll have the movie forever, you know? And, uh, like, that's one thing that I can, that I can promise to people is that this movie will exist. This movie will be, um, different and it will be, my true vision, you know, cause I don't have to answer to anyone else doing it this way. So that's what I can offer for certain, you know, to people, but whether people care about that or not, I don't know. I think what I'm hoping is people will just care about helping me out and, and helping me make this movie and help me, uh, go after my, my dream of being a filmmaker, you know, yeah. and that ho- hopefully what I've seen, what I've done in the past, they all like, and they, they, they're, they've been excited about it and they want to help me take the next step, you know? Um, I don't it know. It sounds very much like Kickstarter. It is kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, but, the, but there is, but where there on Kickstarter, there isn't a chance of getting any money back. Cause basically mm-hmm. like, let's say like the movies that it's really, it really makes it actually really tough because like you can't really get Netflix numbers. Like I have no idea how much movies make on Netflix and Netflix and Amazon prime are like probably one of the the two places I really want to end up, you know, and where I want the movie to do a lot of its business, but I don't know what those numbers are (laughs) because they don't release them. Um, but, uh, you know, like let's say the movie makes, like even $2 million, like suddenly, you know, your, your, your $10,000 investment will like bring you back. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like something like $50,000. So, um, you know, like, I don't know, like that's pretty good right there, I guess. But I mean, that will take like five years, (laughs) you know, and that's like a really, that's not the (laughs) best. That's right. not the best case scenario. Like, I mean, it could make $80 million, like some of these, like, low budget indie sci fi movies do. I mean, that would be like winning the lottery. And in that case, then you would make a lot of money back on your investment. But, uh, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like, you know, that the, there is the lottery ticket aspect of it. Like, you could get a big return on this investment, but it's more about, you know, do you believe in this project? Do you believe in me? Do you want to help me make this movie? And like, and then you can be as involved with the process or as uninvolved with the process, but regardless, you'll be at the premiere when it comes out in three years. <laughs> right. So it's more like uh, funding the arts rather than exactly. a real financial investment. It's like funding the ballet. Exactly. But, but with a chance of, of uh, getting a big return on, on yeah. that, you know, a small chance. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's basically how I'm going to structure it in my conversations. But I have like, have yet to even have any of these conversations with people because, you know, either people say, yeah, this is the amount I'm, I'm willing to, to contribute or they say, oh no, I can't at this time or they don't get back to me. Mm. <laughs> so I have that's yet to actually have like a lunch meeting with someone to like, you know, pitch them this project. And the, and the only pitching I have have done has been like at parties where there's people talking around me and it's like I can't really do it you know yeah well let's segue into pitching because that's the, our next topic is you right. have some um, pitches coming up next weekend yeah and tell us about like how you set those up how much you paid and who you're pitching to so I uh, I took Robin's advice from a couple podcasts ago and I went to Roadmap Writers and I um, if you listen to one of his earlier podcast episodes he has uh, Joey Tuccio on who's uh, the guy who runs Roadmap Writers yeah so right. I, I took their advice. I emailed Joey. Um, he gave me some uh, you know a little intro and you know 
told me how it worked and I just started signing up for pitches. So I found some producers and some producers assistants who, um, you know, uh, are, are interested in sci-fi movies. Um, and they're at a variety of different places. I actually didn't pull up the list here, but I'll, I'll get it right now just to actually read them off to you guys. Um, my first one is with Sean Briard. He's an agent at APA. Um, and then I have Josh Dove, who's a coordinator at Intellectual Property Group. And those are both um, next weekend. And then I think I have a bunch more, too, that I scheduled after it. But those are my, my first two big ones. And Josh, especially, is really interesting because his... Um, what he's interested in is exactly what I'm trying to do. Like he's specifically interested in small sci-fi thrillers um, with in, that can be done for like under like a million or something or mm-hmm. under five million. Right. So it's like, oh gosh, this guy is like perfect for me. Um, and then yeah, I've also got a creative executive from a company called Inaffable Pictures. And then um, a manager at Circle of Confusion, and and this this woman Krista, she's interested in um, projects uh, with diverse casts. So it's right. like okay, and and sci-fi is listed as one of the things she's interested in. So it's like okay, perfect, that'll work for me. I'm curious to know how much you paid for each one of these sessions. So they range from like twenty five bucks to thirty five bucks, um, and then I got some through Stage Thirty Two also, and those ones I paid thirty dollars a pop. So I okay. think I spent like about two hundred and fifty bucks, maybe on ten pitches, something yeah. like that. Um, like so the cost of a plane ticket to LA. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't so bad. Like I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to be doing I'm not going to be signing up for any more until I have these all done. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I feel like it's going to be a really interesting learning experience. And you know, like <laughs> before this podcast, I was thinking about seriously just switching my uh, my focus from the alternate to this low budget fifty thousand dollar you know brother feature. But when you said, it sounds like you're really excited about it, I was like, yeah, I'm actually not that excited about it. <laughs> why Why should yeah. I shift my whole life for something that I'm not excited about unless I absolutely have to? So, you know. Yeah, I you're think- not there yet. You, you got to wait. You might get to the point where you're like, all right, just fuck it. I, I need to make something. I'm going to do this. I'm really excited to just to like shoot a movie. But right now you're not there. So right. don't do it. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because I was talking to this, this person who was advising me and uh, they were saying like, you know, don't, if don't, have a backup like either just go forward with this or go forward with that <laughs> right. but like you don't want to go out to, to talking to people to meeting with people um with another idea in the back of your head like you know just decide now what are you going to do mm-hmm. and i i don't know if i actually like that advice i think <laughs> i think <laughs> i think there's nothing wrong with having a backup plan you know and especially like i don't think he really understood the kind of people i'm going to be raising my money from like i'm not raising it from people who are going to give me $20,000 a pop or $10,000 a pop like it's going to be like the most that anyone is probably going to give me is maybe a couple of thousand dollars you know right. so i'm going to be basically getting that from a, a large amount of people so th- they're not going to care what movie I make like they, they might even be happier if I make a movie for $50,000 instead of $250,000 because then suddenly all the money they put in is actually a way bigger investment you know mm-hmm. 
and it's it's not going to be like oh you own like half percent and then suddenly it'll be like oh you own five percent or something <laughs> right. you know and then if it makes money and then it'll be way easier for me to make money on a fifty thousand dollar feature than a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar feature too so I just think there's only benefits for the people who are giving me money or investing so I, I think. I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, but I'm I'm sticking with the alternate. I mean, it's the thing I've talked about for for years now on the podcast, and I've always said it's my passion project. I have to tell it. It's my story to tell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward with it no matter yeah, what. So this is what you're gonna be pitching to people yes. over the next few weeks. Yeah. And then how much how much time do you get for each pitch? I get eight minutes for um, every single. So stage thirty two and roadmap is the same thing. I think they're minutes. both eight minutes. Yeah. And okay. Uh, and then, like they say, like oh, you know, try to make your pitch four to six minutes to leave some time for questions, you know. Um, and I think for me, like my pitch is going to be pretty brief. Like I don't, I don't think it's going to be super long. Um, it's going to just fo- kind of focus more on story and um, maybe a little bit on, on the process. Like oh, the budget, like I have budgets ranging from I don't know. I might, I probably won't even get the budgets. I don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly sure about that yet i guess we're gonna find out when i pitch it now <laughs> yeah i want to hear your pitch in a second but before i do i just want have one more question about sure. these pitch sessions sure i feel like most of the time you see these pitch sessions for on screenwriting websites so it seems like they're more for screenwriters yeah do you, like i guess my i have two questions for you one is um what's the best case scenario going into this like what do you what do you think you might be able to gain from talking to these people and pitching your project to them and do you think that you not being focused as a screenwriter but more as somebody who wants to direct them themselves that's gonna help or hurt you in these things or do you have any idea I think I don't know I think it's gonna depend on on person to person if it's gonna help or hurt me Um, I'd imagine it would probably hurt me overall more than help me because um, this is a screenwriting these are screenwriting websites and they they are looking for screenwriters you know not not necessarily filmmakers you know or or maybe not even at all filmmakers are probably they'd probably be more annoyed by that than they would be interested um so that that is a little bit of a danger and i'm gonna find out how that's gonna work when i actually do my pitch um one thing i will say if they ask me about other projects is that i do have other projects but um you know on stage 32 or not stage 32 on on roadmap writers Mm -hmm. when you sign up they try to tell you like hey um you know like include three projects like don't just have one like 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 list three and then the executives gonna pick the one that they want you to pitch and then you pick pitch that one so you know like you might not you only get to pitch one and you're not even in control of the one that you pitch like so they kind of want you to be ready to pitch all all three at all times you know and then have the script ready for all three to send out too um i'm I'm obviously not in that place like i i have like more than three projects that i could pitch but i only have one where i'd want to actually share the script you know um so I can't do that. And then even if I could do that, I probably wouldn't because I don't, I'm not trying to pitch those other projects right now. I'm trying to pitch this one and, and I'm doing these pitch sessions, not just to pitch to these people, but just to get better at pitching and better at talking about the, about the project. So when I meet up with like people who I'm trying to ask money, ask for money, that I'll be better at doing that through these pitches. Cause they'll, they'll be different. Like I'm not going to do the same pitch to these people as I will to investors or people I sit down to lunch with, but it'll help me in my overall presentation right. by doing these pitches, right. you know, just get comfortable with it. But having said that, 
you've obviously imagined some sort of best case scenario. And right. what is that best case scenario? I mean, that they'll read the script is probably the first best case scenario it, that they'll just request it, you know, um, in the first place. So that's like the first goal is just for them to read it. And then I guess the overall goal, um, basic best case scenario that they want to, um, to actually be involved with producing the movie and, uh, help me cast package and fund it like that's absolutely best case scenario um what the other thing would be if they want to sign me if they're if they like the writing they like the project and they they think that i'm a good client and they want to bring me on either as a, a writer or as a writer director uh, that's another best case scenario um even if i just get some good advice from them about like you know what how the best way to to make this movie is like that would be really helpful um you know, I think a lot of these people are like either junior executives or assistants to executives or assistants to agents or junior agents, right? So they're all kind of like on the lower level, kind of more like, you know, just coming up and trying to make something happen. So I, I, I don't know, maybe I'll connect with somebody who loves the idea, loves the project, you know, likes my style and likes, you know, the way I pr- present myself and present the movie and maybe there's a there's a collaboration there you know um and maybe it's not on this project maybe it's on a different project maybe they're looking for a director um and they haven't found somebody that they that they really jive with maybe i get to send them my short films and they really love them i think there's a lot of different um really great outcomes from it but i think what i'm really trying to get out of it is just the practice and just the Mm -hmm. experience of pitching to these people and and what it's like to pitch to a stranger you know who um you know is in a position of power you know yeah well let's imagine then that i'm in a position of power right which you don't, well, and you don't know me don't and i'm know judging you. you right now right and i want you to pitch your movie to me as if we just got on skype and i'm just this random guy named t plane t plane yeah okay cool my name my name's t plane and i i work for um uh, a talent agency called Goodby Silverstein and Partners. <laughs> <laughs> Not all lies. Um, no. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and time myself. Oh, yeah. So, let me do that, too. I'll, I'll stop you. Yeah. So stop me. I'm, I'm going to have a, a, a timer set here just so I can sort of um, look on and, um, you know, make sure that uh, I am, you know, kind of staying on point. Um but uh but yeah let's let's just give this a shot should we just do it right now yeah so uh let i'll do a fake skype ring and that'll okay. begin it okay hello there hey how's it going um hi i'm Albert Purcell, and uh, i'm a filmmaker out of oakland california and today i want to talk to you about my uh, feature-length script the uh, the alternate uh, so the alternate is a movie about Jake Barnes. He's a wannabe filmmaker, videographer, just working on stupid, soul-sucking corporate video jobs. One day on um, just one of his normal, regular old jobs, he discovers a glitch in um, his shot that he can't get rid of. And then, you know, they finally fix the glitch. They take it home and he's editing and he sees this glitch again and he's able to manipulate it. And he discovers that this eventually turns into a portal into another dimension in which he has everything that he's always wanted. The perfect filmmaking career, the perfect sweet loving version of his wife, and then the child that he never had. So 
this this story kind of delves into you know his his basically all the things he's ever dreamed of all the things he's worked really hard for in his life are kind of instantly you know delivered to him at his feet so he starts to travel into this under universe and starts to you know kind of spy on the other version of himself and then he meets the other version of his wife and he just kind of falls in love with her and he begins an affair with the other version of his wife. And uh, suddenly, you know, as his his other wife, his real wife, is, is like he brings her in and shows her the portal and shows her what's, what's going on. And then as it kind of comes together, she discovers that he's cheated on her with his other self or her other self. And then um, <laughs> ends up basically leaving him and he just falls into the other world and basically plots to steal it from the other version of himself who he's, you know, basically seen as like, you know, mistreating the other, the perfect version of his wife, cheating on her, all this stuff. So basically he ends up switching places. He plants a trap, hits him on the back of the head, throws him through the portal and then claims the life for himself. So this is where I think the story gets really, really interesting because at this point when um, Jay kind of, you know, devolves into this really, really low, terrible state, uh, we switch perspectives. So we go from the original Jake to the alternate Jake. And we learn that, A, he was never cheating on his wife, that he's actually a good guy. And we kind of knew that kind of going through like we sort of saw signs that maybe jake is reading into this more more than you know is actually there he's sort of seeing what he wants to see and then we find out that that's actually the case and then we actually spend time with alt jake trying to figure out how to get back to his alternate world and and even figure out where he is what's going on because he has no idea what's happening like he was just thrown into this other version and he's basically in a crappy version of his office in like his house before he remodeled it back when he was only renting it so it's like a completely different reality so he tracks down um the chris the original chris and then they basically are able to um help him get back and chase down the other version of himself and you know reclaim his life so this is like you know a really fun psychological sci-fi thriller um there's not a ton of special effects but the portal does exist so you do go back and forth from the portal there's going to be a couple scenes where you have both jakes interacting and fighting with each other so that's going to be really cool and the ending is very dark and cronenbergish and uh i don't necessarily want to spoil it here but you know when you read the script i think it's got a real good punch to it um so this is uh not my first script but the the first script that I'm really proud of and um, I'm actually trying to make this movie myself so I'm, I'm raising money for this right now I'm trying to do it at a very low low budget range under a million um, and I think this will be a fantastic movie so uh, if you have any questions let me know and uh, I can tell you more about the project nice four minutes nice that was good I don't have any questions because I feel like if I was on the other side listening to this pitch I think I would have been so confused that I wouldn't I just be like, oh, cool. Okay, thanks, dude. Oh, yeah. So I'd rather well, just jump into my critique of your, sure. your pitch. So what was so confusing about it? It got really confusing um, understanding the two worlds and where we were um, mm. in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you didn't set up who Jake and Chris were. So then when you brought them up later on, I wasn't sure who those characters were. You referred to them sometimes as alt chris alt jake sometimes as the other version of himself um it was really confusing to to know 
Okay. You know, which world we are in because I think the terminology you used wasn't strong enough. Okay. So it's almost like you got to stick to a certain way of talking about so it. So just, just call them the alts, maybe. Just like alt Chris, alt Jake, regular Jake, maybe. regular Chris. I'm trying to think what the best way to do this. I, I think that one thing that would really help is for you to first set up the world and set up the premise before you launch into it. Because the way that you launched into it was you were telling me the story as if I was seeing it on screen. And that was really hard for me to follow. So I think it might help if you say, um, if you just bring it first into into the world, like the idea of what if you found an alternate version of your life that was better, that had everything that you always wanted? And mm. what would you do if you found that world? Okay. And that's the premise of my story. Okay. And the, the character that's going to... Um, that's going to encounter this alternate version of his life is a videographer that works crappy corporate video gigs. Okay. So, so sort of do a little setup of the story first. And, yeah. And, and the premise and then, of like, would you maybe just like bring the idea to life for the, the other person? Like if you found, if you found a portal and in and on the other side of that portal was the ideal version of your life, like what would you do? Okay. And would you would you st- try to steal that life from the other person? Would you tell other people about it? Like maybe just throw out a bunch of questions and like have that kind of just premise live in the the person's mind, and then start introducing elements of the story, and then start talking about the characters that are going to deal with this premise. So then the people that are dealing with this premise is. Chris and Jake. They live in Oakland, California. Uh, Jake is a videographer. He has this crappy corporate job. Um, and then he finds this portal into this other life in which the other version of himself has all these things that you pointed out. The mm-hmm. career, the the wife, you know, all that stuff. Right. And then rather than telling the story, just say like, what he does is he goes to the the alt his other uh, see it's hard to like talk about what this other side is right well so you don't you don't think that telling the story if i could tell the story in a more clear way that it would be better to to do it that way and kind of take them on the journey because i kind of felt like that's what i was trying to do is sort of get them into the story and sort of get them you know following what's happening and like the excitement of it and all that stuff. You just don't- I don't think so because I think you would. You should explain it like you just walked out of the movie theater, and you're you're telling you. You usually don't tell people like a linear story when you walk out of the movie theater. You just tell them kind of like the the top points, right? So rather than like each individual scene, you're just kind of clumping everything together into a big idea. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just thought that's what people were used to is sort of like getting the story laid out, you know, in a way that was sort of exciting and fun and and made you excited to to read the story and get to know the characters that would work if you had like 20 minutes you just think doing it in four minutes because i I mean doing it in four minutes i think you only have time to really just get the general idea of it who the characters are what the world is that we live in what are some of the issues that he's dealing with and then um i liked I liked how excited you got when they switched places. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a really cool part. From there there to the end, I think the switching places was pretty interesting. Okay. And so once you get to that point, I think you could tell the rest of the story. They switched places, and now 
they're they're each in each other's worlds. One of them's trying to keep that world to himself, and the other's trying to get back to his original world. Right. Exactly. You yeah, know, I think that's that's interesting. And then one thing that I've always liked about your pitch is the idea that somebody finds an alternate version of their life and then tries to take it as their own. Mm-hmm. And I think that that could be part of your setup because mm-hmm. I think that is a really interesting angle. It's like you when you find this other world, you try to steal it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean. I didn't really talk much about like the the theme of entitlement or any of that stuff, and I don't know if that belongs in this pitch or not. If I should yeah, go into that definitely. stuff, yeah, I think if you because I feel like every good story is has a deeper meaning, mm-hmm. and I think if you can get that across to somebody, it's like it's not just a fun story about people swapping lives. It's like a story about entitlement, about like what we feel we deserve in this life. Right. Exactly. And and, and in the end. I know you probably don't want to say on the podcast, but I think you should tell them what the ending is. Oh, yeah. In the end, Jake gets what he deserves for trying to, to right. get a life that he didn't earn. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm always curious if I should give the ending or not. Um, I think you should because I think it's less about teasing somebody to read your script and telling them the complete story. Uh-huh. Like Your pitch is the complete story, and then they're like, wow, that was a cool story. Like, Let me see how you you did that in 90 pages right like right. you told me a complete story in three minutes let's see how it plays out in 90 pages and if it's a dramatic story i love the three minute version there's something there as long as you pulled it off in the 90 pages like we're good so what do you think some of the details were that i included that i shouldn't include um in my pitch that i should take out um i'm trying to remember back i'd have to listen to it again what are some of the things I, I might have left left out? Like was it just like the style mainly that you wanted to see differently? Like kind of no, I think you did really good. I think at, after you finished pitching, I like that you you launched into like this is not my first screenplay. This is one that I'm the most excited about. Um, you did tell me that it had like a Cronenberg feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be good to like bring up to the front so that way they kind of know what the tone of the story is mm-hmm. before you launch into it. Sure. I think it's like in some ways you want to give them the trailer before you right. tell them anything because they're coming into this project completely fresh. They don't know anything, anything about it. Right. So you have to kind of play them the trailer, the 30 second trailer. It's like, all right, here's the trailer of the movie and then show them the movie and then um, finish off with some so, of the stuff that so you're maybe, talking about yeah, like, where you're headed with it. I didn't do the log line first. I guess that's probably what I should do is just like kind of do like the, the log line, which is the trailer you know, and, yeah. and then go into a little bit more of a description about it. Um, was there anything I said that was like completely like they didn't understand at all that didn't make any sense? Or did you think it was just like I kind of went too fast that it sort of was you were losing some of the details? Um, I just got lost in following the story okay. because it is really confusing to explain. And I think part of it's just in describing what the other world is because it's exactly the same as their world then all you have to describe it is that term the other world or the alt universe or like at least in back to the future you have like a a year you can point to you're like and in 1954 he's doing this in 1984 he's doing this right so it's like you almost need something that's like really concrete that grounds those two worlds so you can talk about them right. and we can switch from one to the other really quickly. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, cool. Well, you know, I mean, I think, you know, just 
I don't know. I'm worried. I worry. I'm worried. I talked a little too fast. Um, and I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, you could slow it down. I mean, you only yeah. used half of your time, so definitely slow it down. And then I don't know how was like like watching me. Like how was my um, interaction? Like did I feel like I was focused? Did you, did you feel like I was excited about it? Did you feel like I looked at the camera enough? Like did you feel like you were connecting yeah. with me at all? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, my my biggest beef was just it was really hard to follow, and I got lost really quickly. Like within the first minute, I was so <laughs> lost oh, yeah? that I didn't even know. Like the rest of your pitch almost didn't matter for you. There's like two minutes of your pitch that I was so lost I wasn't even following it anymore, and I was just waiting for you to get somewhere else so I could like grab onto the line again and, okay. and I did that when you said and here's where it gets really interesting and it's like alright I'm back in cool now okay. how, how does it change so maybe yeah so, so it was like that middle part after he found the portal and um, leading up to when they switch places there is a lot of stuff in there that I was very unclear about right okay so I can maybe yeah I think doing a overview like a trailer sort of thing and then kind of setting up the world a little bit more and then kind of setting up the different worlds like that's something I'm doing in the script too is sort of like making it clear like oh so he's in the same house it's just that he had it remodeled and he bought it you know versus mm-hmm. renting it and it just being the original plan or whatever you know and then yeah. I'm also trying to do a thing where it's like he waited longer to make his short film in the world that we're in. And then in, in the other world, he made it when he was a lot younger. So he's he's a little bit further along. He's way further along his career than he he is now because of timing, you know, of when he decided right. to make this film versus the other, which is a mm-hmm. hard thing to get across, you know, <laughs> in, in a 90-page script, you know, because it's sort of like a bit, you know, without it, it sounding like, mm-hmm. you know, you're just telling the audience that. Um, but I'm trying to like kind of weave those details in, um, where I can, you know, so how did it feel for you pitching the story? I felt, ex- I felt good. I, um, I was worried that I spent too much time describing him discovering the, the, the portal and that, yeah. cause that's not really mm-hmm. important, you know? Um, but it made it kind of sound like it was important the way that I talked about it. <laughs> so right. I think maybe just trying to say he just discovers a portal um, and on the other side, he finds the life that he wishes he had. And maybe like what you do is you, you treat it like you have a negative and a positive. And on the other side is the positive. So before you get to the portal, you set up all the negative aspects of his life. Right. So it's Jake and he's a corporate video videographer and he has a crappy job and he hates what he does because what he really wants to do is make films. Right. But he can't get this film made because... You know, he doesn't have enough money and all these things. Right. And his wife is not really happy with him. So it's like you set all the negatives up. Right. And then he finds a portal. And on the, on the other side of that portal is the life he's always dreamed of having, where he has a, a job as a director. He's made his film and his wife really loves him. And on top of that all, he has a kid, which is something that he always wanted. Right. You know, so then that way you can see um, the difference between the two worlds really quickly. And then from there, you just say, um, and that's when he decides to take, to steal his alternate life. And so what he does is he tricks his other self into going into his world and they switch places. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah. now he's in his alternate world and his alternate self is in his world. 
and his alternate self is trying to fight to get back into the, the timeline he belongs in. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think that's all good. Like, cause you don't want to lose the, you don't want to lose the audience. But I think I'm gonna definitely keep the part where I say this is you know like this is my favorite part. This is where it gets interesting. Cause, yeah, because it is like my that. favorite part. You know, and that's that's kind of like one of the things I don't really talk about a lot in in pitching the movie because you know when you're just giving the log line or the elevator pitch, you don't really necessarily get to that um, part of it. But I think the protagonist switch is really really cool, and that's where. A lot of people get really excited about the project, so um, yeah. Your mic is a little low right now. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it got knocked away. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is um, talk about how people feel. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that that always, to me, is what what makes something more compelling. Is if you hear how a person feels because of something then you're going to be way more interested. If it's just the facts and this is what happens and this is what happens, it's less interesting than um, when all Jake goes is is pulled out of his life and trapped in the world he doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. How does he feel? Like, put us in that situation. And, and what is his predicament? He can't get back to his other world. He doesn't even know where he... Yeah, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't know, know where he, he is. He's know confused. What's going on. Yeah. yeah, so all those things, I think, are going to make it, like, that much more engaging to right. the audience. All right, cool. Sweet. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I, I need to... Uh, you know, make make it so if I do finish in four to five minutes that people are interested in asking me questions and wanting to hear more, you know, um, and like wanting to, to dive deeper into it, you know. Um, yeah, and if they don't have any questions and maybe you can launch into something about some of your past projects. Because um, so, the worst thing I think would be that you take four minutes and you say, if there's any questions, I'm happy to answer them. And if they're like, no, man, that's cool. That sounds really cool. Then maybe you can just jump into like, um, you know, I've been a filmmaker for the past eight years right now. I am a corporate videographer. And so this is where this inspiration came from was it's been really frustrating for me because what I really want to do is direct feature films, but I'm kind of stuck in this life of, you know, corporate videography. But what I've done over the past few years is I've, you know, I've directed three short films. Um, my first one, Strange Thing, has has done a hundred thousand views online. You know, you talk right. about yourself, right? You know, make it more about yourself, especially with like an agent or manager. It's probably going to be less about the project and more about you. And so, you could use those last four minutes to talk about your podcast, the short films you've done your place in life why you've chosen to stay in oakland why you think oakland is an interesting place to shoot movies you know all that kind of stuff could really flesh you out as an individual yeah totally yeah yeah that's great advice i think i'll definitely do that for sure i mean i I don't know what's going to happen like i could end up talking a lot longer when i'm actually doing (laughs) this um maybe they'll have lots of questions maybe um you know one of the things i didn't do that i want to do is like kind of say like in the beginning like you know, I want to make this conversational, so don't feel free if, like, you're getting lost or I'm going too fast. Like, stop me, slow me down, ask questions. Like, I, I, I don't want this just to be me spewing at you for eight minutes. Like, you know, like, yeah. d- feel free to make this interactive if you'd like, you know, and then, and then go into it. And then that way, if people do get lost, maybe they can stop me. You know, I would. Yeah. Had you invited me to do that up front, I probably would have been like, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a little lost here. So, yeah. Tell me again what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So and, and then if I go slower, um, uh, people have the room 
to jump in because like I, I think the way I did it, I just kind of steamrolled. Like I didn't really give any space for questions or anything. Yeah, you know. But uh, but yeah, I'd say I felt pretty good about it. I mean, for like not practicing and and just having this treatment up here that I was sort of looking at, I think it was pretty good. Like I think what I'm gonna do is uh not have the treatment but like sort of have the log line have a little bit of the treatment and then have some bullet points like don't forget to talk about you know and this and just like some little notes so it's not like i'm reading i'm not gonna ever actually be reading anything necessarily maybe the log line but like everything will just sort of be like it'll be more like reminders for myself while i pitch you know yeah well cool Good luck with it. Thanks, I can't man. Can't wait to hear how it goes. Yeah, next episode we could probably even talk about some of the the way it went or feedback or I mean yeah, I, I know love s- to. some of them they give feedback in three to four weeks. Some might be faster. I think I think the roadmap ones they all have to give feedback. I think on the other ones they can give feedback. I'm I'm not exactly sure, okay. but uh, I'm gonna figure it all out. It'll be interesting. Well, if you revise your pitch and you want to share it on the show again, I think people would love to hear it. Okay, yeah. And let us know, people. Yeah. If, if you do want to hear it again, let me know or let us know. And if you never want to hear it again, uh, <laughs> you know, that's understandable, well, too. Well, I'll just say I want to hear it again. You I want, want to hear, hear it again. Like, okay. a succinct one. And I think for longevity's, uh, longevity's sake, we want to have like a nice, succinct pitch on the show so you could always just tell people like oh go listen to episode 85 there's a nice like quick pitch of my movie right 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 that's that's true <laughs> if people if people want to do that like giving them work rather than just pitching it to them like hey go listen to my podcast and you can hear my pitch right. i don't have time to pitch it to you now i'm too busy but you can listen to the one i did you know whatever um cool well i i i know i know we're already long but i just wanted to yeah, say really long yeah, yeah like this is uh this this episode has reinvigorated me a little bit. Like I was sort of feeling down in the dumps about the whole thing, but after talking to you about it, it sort of strengthened my uh, my belief that I have to at least try. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I at least have to try to make this movie, you know. Um, and then I can always you know do the brother feature if I if if this doesn't if I only end up with fifty thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars or whatever you know well i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna try to make my movie and if it doesn't work out then i'll switch gears but until that happens i'm gonna stick with it yeah let's do what we believe in that's the whole reason we're (laughs) filmmakers right like we want to tell the stories we want to tell we're not trying to like fit into some box like that's uh geez that's what everyone wants you to do they want to fit you in a box fuck boxes (laughs) you know um all right can we i know we have to wrap this up can we just just one minute each on this tweet that we got from Paul Schneider. Sure, I could talk he about said, this forever. <laughs> he listened to our episode with Robin and he had a few comments on it. I'm just going to read the first one that he wrote. He said, sure. at MMIH podcast, a few things. In my opinion, if one doesn't have a Spielberg-sized legacy, then they haven't made it and aren't dreaming big <laughs> enough. That's so funny. Uh, well, and well, well, what do you think I know about what that? he's saying. I know what he's saying and I, and I know what he means, but I, I feel like that's the way I used to think. And if you hold yourself up to that such a high standard and you never make it, all you're going to feel for the rest of your life is a sense of disappointment. And so rather than feeling like that's the only way to measure success is if you make it to a Spielbergian level of legacy, you're just in for a lifetime of sadness and misery. And and at, and also you just you can't control what right. people think of your films and what your legacy is. So what's the point of stressing over things that you can't control? So I, I just say you, you have to focus on the work and you have to make yourself proud of your own growth and 
your own character and you know beyond that we can all hope for and strive for a Spielbergian legacy but it's probably not going to happen for most of us don't give up on that dream but don't make it the only way that you can measure your success all right yeah i don't know i mean not everyone can be spielberg and most people won't be spielberg and, mo- and most people won't have a legacy like a spielberg or a tarantino or any of those people so yeah. I, I don't know i think trying to say that like that's the, your goal or like that's what you should be aiming for is sort of insane like i think you need to aim for making good movies like one at a time like you can't be thinking about the next movie while you're trying to make the first movie like you just need to make the first movie you know worry about getting that done and getting that right and then you can worry about the next one and then maybe you know in 20 40 30 years whatever you'll have a legacy behind you but maybe not you know i just I just think that whole idea is a little crazy. Like you can't hold yourself. I mean, you have to hold yourself up to high standards, but like (laughs) you're basically saying like, I want to be the outlier to end all outliers. Like I want to do what one person did against all odds and had the most amazing career ever. I want to do that again. Um, and I'm already like, you know, 10 years behind, basically. It's like, what? Are you crazy? Like, that's insane. Like there's no, there's no way. So I don't know. I just think that, there's a little bit of disconnect between what Paul was saying and, and what our reality is, I think. And maybe his reality is that he's going to have a Spielbergian legacy. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I just think that, like, aiming for that goal, like, like Spielberg wasn't aiming for that goal when he was mid- starting out. He wasn't like, I'm going to make 40 movies and win Oscars and <laughs> whatever. He was whatever. just making one TV movie at a time. And yeah. then he got his first feature. And then after that first feature, he started working on his next feature. And yeah. he just made really amazing movies. And yeah. the, those all add up to a legacy. But he wasn't sitting there in 1974 thinking, man, in 2016, I hope that I have 40 movies under my belt. And uh, at least three of them are like the top grossing movies of all time. And I'm remembered for this. No. this, and this. I think he just, he just ended up there. No, he just ended up there. He just made his movies and focused on one movie at a time. Like, you know, Jaws was his world while he was making Jaws. Close Encounters of the Third Kind was his world while he was making that movie. Like they're all, you know, your world revolves around your movies while you're making them. You can't think about legacy. Like legacy is something that just happens, you know, and, and whether or not, <laughs> I don't know. And what does that even mean? Like legacy? Like who's legacy? Do we all all have legacies or you only have a legacy when you reach a certain level of of success? Like I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I think everyone has a legacy. My legacy could be my cats or all the cats I've had or whatever. My legacy could be (laughs) this or that. Oh, well, I don't know. I just, I just think that this whole part of thinking about legacy and thinking about where you're going to end up is crazy. You just got to think about what you're doing one step at a time. You know, it's it's the same with like making movies. Like you can't like, you can't like, Oh yeah, this movie is going to get into Sundance. This movie is going to win an Oscar. Like you can't be thinking of results. You got to be thinking about just getting the best movie possible, you know? Um, anyways, yeah, we probably, yeah. Talk, we talk. Well, the reason we had to talk about that is because we couldn't fit that into 140 character tweets. Right, exactly. I oh, mean, there there's probably more because he, he said more after that that I wanted to respond to, but we'll save that for another day. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, no All time right. no time for sharing, no time for anything. We got to get out of here. Um, yeah, we got to go. We got, we got jobs to do. Yeah. 
Exactly. So thanks everyone for listening. For listening, <clears throat> you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. Um, we'll we'll put links up to Roadmap Writers. We'll put links up to Stage Thirty Two, um, the Happy Writers thing, all that stuff. So you can check out what I'm doing next weekend. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And if you like the show, you can tell a friend. Help us spread the word. You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, or you can, you know, blast it out on Facebook, blast it out on Twitter, whatever, you know, share it with the world, let people know about it. And uh, thanks, Timothy, for the feedback on my pitch and for an amazing episode. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And everybody have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.